Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Welcome back to America's Heroes Group with our roundtable and our partner, National Nurses United. Today is Saturday, October 15th, 2022. October is Breast Cancer, Mental Health, National Disability, and Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Claiborne, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner on the line, Ms. Adelina Marshall. She's a veteran's VA mental health RN, registered nurse. She's going to talk about um, the November elections, and also some of the things that been we've been having. We had some support. She's had some support with the National Nurses United from Senator Sherrod Brown and Representative Mark Takano. Both support National Nurses United and the VA Employee Fairness Act, and we want to talk about that and how that is important to veterans around the country. How are you doing today? I'm good, and thank you for having myself and NNU on this show today and allowing us to share um, important information with our veterans who are in your audience. So how did uh, these two uh, government officials get behind uh, National Nurses United to promote some of the things and issues that you guys are concerned about, particularly when it comes to the VA Employee Fairness Act? Because we know from previous shows we talked about that there is a problem with, with the way nurses are treated in the VA system, um, lack of support, um, crazy hours, not necessarily getting the proper equipment, um, you know, being overworked, all kinds of different issues. So tell us what what they see and why they're supporting it and how they got to support, to support it. Well, they um, introduced this bill once they start gaining knowledge of the impact that um, this bill was having on recruitment and retention of nurses, and not just nurses. This also includes um, doctors, physical therapists, dentists, dental assistant. Um, in this group, we're referred to as Title 38 employees. Other employees are Title Five, but we're more restricted being a Title 38. Um, this also includes um, eye doctors, chiropractors, nurse anesthetists, phys- physician assistants, and extended function dental auxiliary. And we're prohibited from negotiating over matters um, such as professional conduct or competency, peer review, or changes to employees' compensation. As we know, there's a critical shortage now of these personnel, and especially nurses, and uh, many hospitals, including the VA, has problems in recruiting um, professional staff who was really needed, the eyes and ears of our patient, and at the VA, we're the eyes and ears of our veterans. And so we're constantly short-staffed, um, just 
uh, within a few days ago, someone alerted me that um, one nurse was covering two units and had another staff member that was not orientated or trained um, to work on that unit, and they're just juggling everything. And we are um, limited as to um, what we can say um, regarding these issues. So the bill in the um, in the house is seventy in the house is nineteen forty eight and in the Senate is seven seven one. These bills, if passed, would not allow federal employees to strike. All it would do is give us um, fairness at the bargaining table. Um, if you go to any of the hospitals here in the Chicago area or in the country, uh, private sector, they have that right. But for us at the VA, we do not have that right. And that there is the right are, to strike, right? Is that what you're speaking right. Mm -hmm. We well, we, no, we wouldn't. Even, they have the right to strike, but we would never have that right to strike as a federal employee. We would only have the right to come to the table to talk about recruiting and retaining top talent to the VA. And we already started as a deficit before COVID even hit. So we lost many nurses to retirement. We're looking at 2025 already trying to um, anticipate how many nurses will be leaving the field um, with retirement or finding other um, positions in other areas that will pull these nurses from the bedside. So we need incentives to bring them to the VA. We want top talent for our veterans. They have given their lives, they have given limbs, they have given their mental health uh, to this country to make things better for all of us. And if there's no one there to advocate for them, who will? So we do ask that Congress and the Senate look at this bill and pass it and give us the opportunity to bring talent very good talent to the VA. Um, some of our nurses, for example, they'll go to the agency. The agency may be paying uh, double or triple their pay or two and a half times their pay that they're making at the VA. Uh, we understand that, you know, they won't be getting maybe benefits in exchange for that, but we do have to bring our nurses and other um, critical care employees um, up a little bit from where we stand now. We, we are so, so short. I mean, I cannot even, we're critically short. To add a point, if it was private sector, they would close some of the floors, which many uh, in the private sector are closing floors and are closing hospitals because they cannot get nurses to come in to care for their patients. We don't want to become a desert of um, or a ghost town lacking employees here at the VA. We want to provide the services to our veterans that they have earned and that they have been um, promised. Uh, we don't want them telling them on one hand, we promise to do this, we're going to take care of you, we're offering you this, we're offering you home health care, 
uh, we're offering you telehealth, and then when they come to get it, there's nobody there to provide it. We have not yet been replaced by robots. This is a hands-on job. Uh, we offer our veterans a lot of support, uh, encouragement, uh, emotional um, parachute when they come here. We don't just see them and let them go. We nurture them and we care for them. They're like our family. And as in any situation, I wouldn't want my loved one to have to go in the hospital. And that nurse has to make a decision on who may, who's in more pain, who should I take care of first, what child should I look at first when I've got three or four of them crying. Um, you know, they may be hungry, they may be wet, um, they may be in pain. So who do I go to first? So what can this be done? This is not a balancing act. So what can be so what can be done, and what's in the bill to help alleviate or solve some of these problems? Is it, is it mostly more pay and training, or is it other things? So the bill would um, allow more training. It would allow more pay. We still would not probably be uh, competitive with private sector, but we are looking for uh, where we can bargain over forms of compensation award, bonuses, overtime, special scheduling arrangement right now. Our, um, I'll just say all our nurses, I'm not going to even point to our more uh, junior nurses, but they're looking to have more time home with their family. Um, I have one situation where they're denying them being able to work 12-hour shifts. Um, we don't understand why what, what because that would cut down... What is it? What yeah, kind of that would help us right to now? cover off tour shifts. Um, so how, how many hours? Would, what's, a, what's a typical shift right now? So uh, in this one particular area, um, this uh, management is in absolutely not just eight hours. So we cannot cover the off tour shifts with an eight-hour person. Um, if we had 12-hour nurses, they would come in maybe at 7 in the morning and um, stay till 8 at night or come in at 11.30 and stay till midnight or come in um, at 11.30 at night and stay till, you know, till the next morning. So we have um, done this in other areas, and we've just started um, negotiating or bargaining over some of this, but... We have still have managers that are saying no, and the staffs are leaving. They don't want to be disrupted from their family. COVID has really um, made everybody aware of how important their family members are. And um, our nurses, and many of them are just starting their family. Many of the ones that are older are losing family members and they want to be there and to to spend that valuable time with them as well as care for our veterans. We're torn. We're torn. So how has uh, representative or Senator Sherrod Brown and Representative Mark Chicano supported this bill? What do they what have they said about National Nurses United effort to try to get this bill passed? Well, they're very supportive. As a matter of fact, they've got over uh, 200 other um members of the House and the Senate to sign on to this bill, they realize the importance of 
there's the federal workforce in the VA to have a voice in um, in the VA and in the care of our veterans. And they also know that this is important to all the promises and the other programs that uh, Congress and the Senate has passed to help support our veterans. Our veterans are those who have served their time, and they're coming out. And they're coming out to what? We don't want them to come home to an empty house. We don't want them to come to an empty hospital. We want them to come here and know that they're going to be cared for. So what's the, what's the likelihood for success, in this, particularly in this type of economy now? Because in our current economy, there is labor shortages everywhere. And we mentioned earlier on this, even on our broadcast just now, we, we have already acknowledged that there is even a shortage in the civilian sector for nurses. So even if you do raise wages, which is still not going to be competitive with civilian wages, and you get better training, how do you how do you solve the labor gap that's, that's, that's current? Well, the one thing that I can say, and when I came to the VA, I came to care for the veterans. I could bite my tongue now because I do remember saying, oh, well, salary is not that important. I need to be there to care for them. And I came when the Saudi conflict started. And many of our nurses who come here feel that way. Many of our staff, doctors, uh, nurses, dentists, they are part of the military. They came out of the military and came to work at the VA to care for their fellow vets. So that was, that's a draw. It's an honor to be a federal nurse. It's an honor to care for our veterans. So many of us prefer to be here than to be in a more blissy surrounding because our job has the purpose. Uh, we see our veterans quite often, the same ones, and so they become endeared to us. Where in other areas, you go and you have surgery, they never see you again. You know, you might go to another doctor or another hospital for something else. But our veterans come here. There's veterans who have grown old with me through time. And it's a joy to see them. It's a joy to see that they're recovering. It's a joy to see them in the halls and they're dressed up and they're proud to show me the progress that they've made in their life. And it's a joy on my end to see them and to, you know, give them a nod of having walked that road and now come to their destination of recovery. So it sounds like that, that really if you, raise, if you raise the wages and also give, provide better training, that perhaps you can maybe be able to retain some of those, those uh, retiring or, um, or service members that are coming out of the military, out of active duty, maybe go into right. the VA system to try to, to stop that. We're trying, labor. yes, we're trying so hard to retain our nurses, but they also have families that they have a responsibility to. And you know what? If I go to one of our stores and an item is, and I enjoy going to that store, and an item might be a few cents or a few dollars more, and I'm treated and I'm welcome there, I will probably go back there and shop. And so it's the same here for our, our, our staff. If they come here, they know that the VA 
is caring for them and allowing us to do our very best and providing us with enough support. We understand that occasionally we might be short. Uh, We have uh, some areas where some of the staff, uh, many of the staff members on a unit became um, infected with COVID and had to be out. We know that. We understand that. We'll pull together for that. But to start off understaffed, severely understaffed, where you can't even get RNs to take orders off for a patient, um, is very concerning that you don't have RNs. We're, we're the engine of the hospital. The doctors cannot do what we do. True. That's very true. When you apply for the, to be a nurse, do you apply for a specific location or specific VA medical facility, or do you do you get put wherever they assign you? Like no, you can apply um, for wherever you you want to to work. Um, if someone comes here and they don't have the experience, we can train them for an area that they may want to go to. But many of them may come in with specific. Um, ideals of where they want to work. I know one nurse, we call her infusion nurse, and she came in to do cancer treatment for our veterans. And now she's going to be starting in um, November in ICU. Um, Some of them, they're not quite sure what they want to do. Um, Some of them want to be bedside nurses no matter what. And they're not going to leave the bedside. Others may eventually want to work from home and do telehealth um, or work in the clinics, having more or less kind of a nine-to-five. But we're trying to get the clinic hours extended so that our patients who are now working can come here before or after work. Hmm. And by giving the nurses alternate work schedules, then we can have coverage for them to come in up to maybe 6 o'clock at night or something. Right now our clinics close about 4.30. Wow, that's but, early. Uh, that's early. And if you're working right, get off work and with the, the traffic and all of that, I mean, we should have later hours to accommodate our, our veterans. What time we are expending, extending our women's health clinic. What time do the, do the uh, clinics we'll pre- open? Pardon? What time do the clinics open? Um, 730. 7.30. 7.30. Mm-hmm. We have nurses that would like to come in at 6, and that way they can get all the paperwork um, done and then be ready, you know, to see the patients and stuff timely instead of taking time away from patient care to do paperwork and stuff that we have to do. Our paperwork takes a, a long time to complete our computer system could move a little bit faster. So there's a lot of variables in the nurses being able to complete their care for the family. I mean, many times we can't even take lunch. We're working through our lunch hour. That's a sign that you do not have enough nurses to cover your care. The reason why I brought that up is because there's a lot of different, there's a disparity amongst the VA medical centers across the country. Some, there's a rating system. If you go to the VA website, you can look up your local VA um, hospital and see what the rating is. It goes from like one star to five stars. And there's a Mm -hmm. lot of facilities around the country that have, you know, pretty good care. 
But there's also some places that are known for some horror stories. Well, that's true. But the one thing about the VA, we're transparent. You go to private sector, all of that's not reported. One thing about the government, everything is reported. And we have a lot of eyes on the care that we produce for the patients. We have a lot of other um, departments that monitor what goes on to the VA. And if our patients aren't satisfied, they get a, you know, they get a, a form in the mail that they can um, check off, you know, if they're satisfied or not. But one thing that leads to dissatisfaction is a long line. That's in anything. Yeah. You know, people want to get in. They got things to do. We need to see them. The only way we can do that is to have adequate staff. That's true. But also, I think if they can get behind and try to improve or have a system to improve some of these troubled uh, or struggling VA medical facilities, like the one in D.C., for example, is notorious. I'm not sure what it is well, today, but notorious stories. I can honestly say this, that I believe our director here at Jesse Brown, I'm speaking the truth, is our visually – Visibly, if you come here, you will see changes here, and um, I'm proud to say that. However, there are things beyond what he can do, and that is recruiting the staff to come here. Mm-hmm. I've always liked the care at Heinz and also at Jesse Brown. I've always thought that because I've, I've taken mm-hmm. veterans there. I've, um, I haven't gotten care there myself. Because I have private health care, um, and then also I'm a natural guard veteran, so I don't have, I don't get the same benefits as someone who's been active duty or been deployed. So the, the, uh, the thing I've seen is that the care has always been very good, and they've always been patient and caring, and and it's very expedient compared to what I've seen in the civilian world here in Chicago, but other places mm-hmm. around the country. If they, and they need to, there needs to be a system to try to get or share, at least share some of the success stories that we have here in Chicago with places around the country so they could bring some of these uh, struggling medical centers up to par because there's still that push out there there's still there's still language out there particularly in congress to privatize the va system to to kind of wind it down to have veterans go to civilian care but that i think would result in in lesser care because some of the things I hear, what trying to get equipment for the veterans and things like this, it could be a nightmare. And without the dedicated employees that we do have, um, there are a lot of things that probably wouldn't go as um, smoothly as we make it go now. But the shorter the staff, the harder it is for us to produce that level of care for our veterans. So what do you want and, veterans to do across the country? What can veterans do and civilians do to, A, for, well, we first? We would love for the veterans to be involved in this, to contact their congressman and their senator in the areas that we are reaching through this podcast to let them know that they should pass this bill, House 1948, and the Senate bill to... Um, 771, Senate Bill 771, encourage them to pass the Employees Fairness Act. Um, We're still working without a contract since 2012. Our contract has not been signed, but we're still producing 
the high level of care for our veterans. Uh, the contract is very important to us, but it doesn't exceed the concerns that we have for our veterans. And uh, we want to make sure that they're cared for. And this bill would allow us to bring in, you know, um, better experienced nurses. Everybody's fine for that, even over education. The experience that we bring to the table is very important when you're seeking care anywhere. So, you know, we're looking, we're, we're reaching out. All the communities, we need Hispanic nurses. We need nurses from every um, race in America, every nationality. We need them here because our veterans have come from a lot of nationalities. And we need them to, to be like, see people who are like them to care for them. I would really love to see more telemedicine, um, getting more nurses in to get uh, telemedicine up and um, that's, well, it's already up and running, but to get it more expensive so that way people in rural areas, people that don't live close to a facility or close to a clinic or, or a medical facility, that they can get the care from VA treatment, particularly with all yes. the cases coming on. We just talked about burns. We just talked about a lot of the, um, the, the, the legislation has passed for people to get um, treatment for toxic exposure. So you're going to have a lot of questions on a floodgate of people coming from back from Afghanistan and from Iraq who have questions and concerns about their health and who are uh, yeah. going through a lot of confusing stuff. Their bodies are changing in ways that they never thought was even possible. Right, just like the president pains. just uh, just addressed the um, burn pits that our um, veterans were exposed to, um, you know, by being stationed over in the Middle East. And there are other um, health care that's associated with just being around, being in the desert environment and stuff. So we need uh, staff that's going to be trained for that. We have one training right now that takes eight hours to complete. And we're just saying we want to do this training, but how do we pull people from the bedside to get this training done because we're so short we cannot we cannot lose one person wow Ms. Alina Marshall you know, so. we appreciate your time we're running out of time so we got to come back to this topic mm -hmm. and really get Thank to the you. bottom of what's going on with this and hopefully we'll go online veterans go online civilians and see what's happening with the VA Employee Fairness Act read up about it get your support behind it thanks for your time Adelina Thank you very much for having us. And I encourage all our veterans and listeners to vote. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.